0: Welcome to the Pain-Free Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Mariah Heller, and if there's one thing I've learned after being a fitness and health professional and a chronic pain sufferer for over a decade, it's that every body is unique. On this show, I sit down with health and wellness experts in an effort to gather as many different perspectives, journeys, and philosophies as possible. Join me in cultivating a collective growth mindset and challenge yourself to take away just one key point from each episode that inspires you to think or behave differently. Have a pain-free day and enjoy this episode. What is going on, beautiful people? Welcome to the Pain-Free Fitness Podcast. I am your host, Mariah, and if you've been listening for a while, you know, and if you are new to the podcast, then you will find out that my mission in life is to create a collective growth mindset in the fitness and health and wellness industries. And I believe that the first step to doing that is by hearing and uh, just kind of exposing ourselves to a lot of different perspectives from people with unique stories and um You know i i think it's it's really important to just try to take something away from every perspective that we hear so my intention for myself and for anybody listening today is that if you hear something today that resonates with you try to see how you can use that to help you make a behavioral change or help kind of change your way of thinking and help you have a better impact on others as well so with my guest today i don't think that's going to be difficult because she is awesome. She's definitely a total boss here. I'm really excited to have her on, but Leslie Logan has been teaching Pilates around the world for 12 years. She is a fitness business coach to hundreds of instructors and studio owners. And after uh, being, you know, a a teacher for eight years, she began leading retreats. And from what I understand, Leslie, you also have a retreat house in Cambodia, which is (laughs) super exciting. So I'd love to talk about that at some point, but welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on.
1: Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, it's um, it's 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 exciting to be here. I love what your mantra is, your motto is, your your passion is. I think it's really excellent, and thank you for having me to be part of it.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. So the first question I want to ask you is, what brought you to the space that you are now with health and wellness? Why is it such a an important thing in your life? Yeah, thank you
1: for asking that, Mariah. Um you know, I, um, so I, I grew up, I was an athletic per well, I was an athlete ish. Um, I should say, uh, my, my father was an athlete. My grandfather was a professional baseball player before world war II. And so I had that athletic background on one side of my family. And the other side of my family was the yo-yo dieting and a grandmother who was, um, severely overweight, you know, pretty much my whole life over 200 pounds and she's five, eight. So that's a lot for that, that frame. And, um, so I, I kind of grew up not understanding what health and wellness really was because once I was like lots of sports and the other side was lots of dieting and then lots of cookies and chocolate. And, and, um, and so, uh, I grew up with this really interesting view of my body and view of what wellness and dieting was. And then when I got to college, I instantly gained that freshman 25 that no one tells you about. They all say 15. It is not. <laughs> and um, and then I, so I was really struggling. I was going to the gym and it wasn't working. And I had, I wasn't eating really well. Cause I didn't know how you should be eating. Cause when I was in high school, it's like carb load for running and you know, that kind of life. And so I really started to investigate like what is, Like I don't want to be on a diet my whole life. And what does that look like? Um, and so a friend invited me to a Pilates class and I made fun of it. I said, that's an infomercial workout. That's not real. I can't do those things. And in the first exercise I was in love. I love how I felt. I love the muscles I was feeling. I never felt before, even though I was going to the gym, I hadn't felt those, those muscles before. And, um, so I just changed my entire life to be going to a Pilates class five, six days a week. And, um, and someone suggests I become a teacher. And I actually thought, I don't know why I needed that invitation because like, but I did, I needed that invitation, but, um, and and I had no idea that I would just be, not even just be, but that like my life would become being a Pilates instructor, you know?
0: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's really funny kind of the different views that we have of, of different activities in the fitness and wellness space, right? Yeah. I, um, so I came from more of, I guess what I would call like the, like the hardcore world. Like my start in the the fitness industry was martial arts and then CrossFit. Like I started CrossFitting when I was 16. Wow. And started dealing with chronic pain when I was 17, 18. And that went undiagnosed for a long time, but it's due to a connective tissue disorder called Ehlers-Danlos. So it's a hypermobility oh, spectrum disorder. Yeah. yeah so yeah when I was like, I think maybe 18 or 19, somebody that I knew when we were still just trying to figure out what was going on, why I was having these spontaneous joint dislocations, why I needed all these surgeries. um, And why you could like
1: actually not have to heal the same way someone else does. Like you could dislocate a toe, but then the next day it's not
0: like, yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so there was a lot of things going on and someone that I knew that was just really smart was was saying, well, maybe you should just give Pilates a try. Like my wife is a, she was in her teacher training. She did a lot of the reformer stuff and all that. And wow. I, you know, Same type of reaction you had. I looked at it and I was like, no, that's, you know, that's for weenies. I lift heavy weights (laughs) and kicked my ass. First of all, every time still does. And it was also one of the better things that I have ever done for my stability and my core strength and my body awareness. So yeah. That's
1: um, that. That's so cool. I'm glad you had that journey because it is something that it's like a, so misleading. I totally thought it was like a stretchy thing. Like, you know, <laughs> it's
0: yeah. not, it's not. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so how do you, when let's say you're telling someone what you do, or someone might be kind of, you know, just looking into your services on a discovery basis. Mm-hmm. How do you typically position, you know, Pilates training with someone that might be unfamiliar with it? Yeah, I love this. Um, I
1: always tell people Pilates is a strength-based workout that leaves no muscle underworked or overworked. Like that's our goal, right? It's balance. And it helps you do everything you already love better. So if you love to lift heavy weights, it's going to actually make all of those reps better because it's going to improve your form. It's going to prevent injury. Um, most of my athletes come because they want to do 300 pound shrugs. I don't know why, but they do. And so, but I also want them to be able to reach back into the back seat of their car to grab their gym bag and not tear a shoulder, <laughs> you know? So, so um, that's what I love about Pilates. It's actually, it's still strength-based. And you're, you're actually working those muscles for that balance, but you're going to have such great range of motion to actually support the strength that you're building at the gym.
0: That is a a really, really good way to phrase it. And I know that there's a lot of different tools that are used within Pilates, but something that I find really cool about it is that it's also something that can be done. It seems like you can, you can do a pretty well uh, well-rounded Pilates program with just your body weight. Yeah. That's 100% correct. Yeah. Yeah. What is, what is like the percentage of, I'm not sure exactly if, if you like to focus on the body weight or if you like, you know, maybe more of the machine or tool work, but what's the, what's, what's your opinion there? So I think some Pilates is better than no Pilates and Um,
1: I think access to Pilates can be really difficult depending on where you live. Um, You know, Pilates was only brought to the U S in the twenties and then between the twenties and the seventies was only like Joseph Pilates and his wife who wasn't even really his wife. That's a long story, but uh, teaching it and a couple other people. And so it wasn't until the eighties that there were actually more teachers. So it's relatively young. There's not a lot of access in a lot of places. And so to me, Um, If I were to say, I want you to do one day a week on the equipment and three days a week on the mat, like that might limit someone or might make someone feel like, well, if I can't do the equipment, I shouldn't do it at all. So to me, some plies is better than no plies. And the mat work was what he created first. He wanted everyone doing it every single day. And the way that I teach it is his original order. It is a full body workout. You are going to uh, the first exercise you do is called the hundred. It's meant to destabilize your transverse abdominus, which most people don't even know is a thing. <laughs> and to me, it really tells you like what's connecting to your body and what's not. And then you do everything. You're doing five different spine shapes over and over and over again, which is flexion, extension, twisting, a tall back, which we all need to have strength to do side bending. Um, and so, yeah, the mat work, if it's all you can do then I don't want you saying I can't do plies. I want you to do that. And there's so many options, whether you go to a YMCA, the gym, you do it online. Um, there's lots of access to that. And then the equipment is lovely. If you have access to equipment, please do it. But what I think a lot of people do is they start to just do the equipment only. <laughs> Cause it's so nice. It's like the springs are so fun. There's a lot of support there. It's not as hard as the mat. The mat is the hardest part. Cause you're really relying on just your own strength and you'll know what your asymmetries are really quickly. So, um, if you can do a completely perfect balance Pilates workout, I would say, uh, two and two, like two days on the equipment, two days on the mat, or, you know, there's no reason why you can't do 30 minutes on equipment and 30 minutes on the mat.
0: I love that. And something that's really important that you just said, which, you know, hopefully if people listening are hearing, there is nothing that humbles you quite like body weight activity. <laughs> it is it is challenging and I think that that's that is one of the that is one of the things that I I kind of get some weird joy in introducing to my clients who maybe might look down at it or, you know, just think that they're above it because they're used to doing something else is I'm like, let's, let's do this body weight workout. And especially oh. if it's really heavily focused on core and just kind of seeing how much that, how much that kind of brings up for people as far as their body awareness is concerned. <laughs> I just did a body weight workout with my dad and yesterday I was doing a workout
1: in my house and the guide had burpees and I was like, I'm not doing burpees. I like literally grabbed a kettlebell. I was like, I'll just do this. And then today at the place, I could not do the burpees. Cause like, you know, I'm there and everyone's there.
0: <laughs> yes. I, yes. So body
1: weight workouts are really under I think, um, undervalued
0: I, uh, is for a lot of people. They're like, oh, it's not heavy. It's, it's not hard, but it's, it's hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. And on that note, I want to kind of dig into the client facing side. And then I also want to dig into like the trainer and business side. Cause I, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of value in that as well. But while we're kind of on the, on the, the client facing side of things, a lot of my clientele, they're either Super fitness newbies, or they are dealing with some kind of chronic pain or injury that's keeping them from maybe doing the activities that they really want to do full force. So, if someone comes to you and they want to move, but they're not able to do, you know, full force Pilates, what is kind of some general rules that you use to maybe give them options in their training in Pilates?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, when I teach on all my online training, all my, whether it's a live class or a recorded class, I say all the time, what else is possible for you right now? So uh, what's beautiful about teaching to the, the order that I teach, which is what Joseph Pilates started, is that like anything you do in the beginning, you're going to do it in a very similar version or a combination of at the end. So it's all a building block. So you have, you can even think of like the first 10 exercises like a warm up, but also if you were to combine them together, that's going to basically what we're going to see at the end. And so, as the workout continues, if something gets to be out of your range of motion or out of your ability, you just go back to something we've already done because it's an endurance thing. Right. And so you might, if you're new to moving out, move, moving 15 minutes is enough. Like people underestimate, I don't know where the hour long workout got, that might be a business thing. Like trainers are like, I got to get paid on the, I, I have no idea. But, but the reality is, is that like, if you were to do 15 minutes a day, of Pilates, eventually you'll be able to do it faster, which means you have more time to get other th- other exercises in, or you will start to feel easier at moving and be able to add in more complicated exercises. So I always ask people, what else is possible for you right now? If you can't do what I'm doing, can you do something we already did again? And I think that that's a really important for, thing for us to focus on in life because, and I, all, and I, am sure you feel the same way, whatever we, however we talk to ourselves when we're working out, however we treat ourselves around our workout, that's how we treat ourselves when something hard happens later on in the day. And so if we can practice on our mat going, okay, I can't do that yet, but I can do this, then our brain is going to be searching for things we can do when we hit an obstacle. And that's just my mission.
0: Yes. Yes super important super important because the body the body and the brain both really like success and i think people underestimate that and they might see someone like like you right you've been doing pilates for how long oh since 2005 okay yeah. so that's what 16 years 16 years yeah. yeah so you know they might see someone teaching them and your body takes a certain shape when you do these movements, because you're really well conditioned, you're, you've kind of developed a, a sense of mastery at or a degree of mastery, right? And they say, well, if I can't do it like that, then I must fail, you know, I must be failing at it. Yeah. And the whole point of an exercise is to accomplish a specific goal. And it's usually something around like, you know, engaging a certain muscle group or developing strength in a certain area. So if your body does not look the same as another person doing that activity, find something that accomplishes that same goal. And usually, like you said, it's just about, you know, what, what have we done before that kind of looks like this? And usually that'll do it. I mean, if that's the the whole goal of it, why not? (laughs) You know, that'll, and that, and it's, it's exact. I think it's, I love that you said that
1: all of us have different bodies, like I, a girlfriend of mine, she saw something on Instagram and she was watching one of my videos, excuse me. And she texted a group of us and she's like, Leslie, are you really tall? Or do you have really long legs? And my friends posted back, they're like, oh, she's both. And I said, honestly, I don't know that I'm really tall. I'm five nine, which is tall, but like, you know, I think six foot tall to me. Right. Right. Um, but my <laughs> but my legs, my hips are at the same height as my husband and he's six foot. So you're not gonna look like me if you are maybe more balanced. We're gonna look different in how we do an exercise. and. So I, I feel like that pressure is that onus is on me to continue to repeat. Like, this is where we're moving from. This is how I want, this is what I would like you to think about while you're moving. And it's going to look different than mine. You might fall out of it. And I let my, I make sure that my editors leave in. If I fall out of an exercise, we leave it in because I want people to see that every day is a different day. And some days I can't, <laughs> sometimes I can't do the push up <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, feel free to leave your legs down. I'm going to leave mine down today. You know, that's where my body's at. And I think That is, that is like the more permission I can give people to be okay with where their body is today, the more likely they're going to show up tomorrow. And that's the goal. If they can show up tomorrow, we can try again.
0: Yes. Yes. I I love that. And I want to touch on something too, because I feel like you'd have some really good advice here, but I think what people don't understand as well is that there may be a lot of us, like, for example, I, I have a martial arts background. I do have a dance background. Generally speaking, I can get into impressive positions pretty not easily, but I can do it and it looks okay. (laughs) I might look pained, but so let's say I was doing a Pilates class, which I I haven't done in a while, but I could probably do the things that you are doing, but I would be compensating so much with other parts of my body to try to (laughs) just look like I'm doing the movement, the quote unquote right way that I wouldn't be accomplishing The goal and kind of the activation that's supposed to come from that movement to begin with and people don't get that and i'm wondering you know how do you kind of do do you take any kind of an approach with that like do you tell people this is what this is supposed to feel like or anything like that
1: yeah um you know it's hard because now since 2018 i've been teaching online i still up until the pandemic i still had in-person clients but um you know i'd always had an online platform and so thinking about the person at home, who's just beginning and giving them permission to not do something and go here, you can do this. If you're, if you're new, or if you're doing this, you can do this, right? Um, I also, there's also something that's like ugly Pilates, get used to it, right? Like some people, when they're going to do an exercise, it's not going to look very graceful. It might never look graceful to them. If they are moving from the correct places though, that's fine, right? Like that's totally fine. Dangerous Pilates never. So I don't ever want anyone to just be resting up on their neck. And so, so I have really great cues. And I'm like, if you do not have space behind your neck right now, that it's time to move on. It doesn't matter if you can do it because I was that person. I have a very hypermobile body. I do not have EDS, but people have asked me, that's why I know what it is. And yes. I attract many EDS clients. Um, but I could go overhead, no problem. And no one, when a group class was really telling me not to, but one day someone was teaching me and they said, keep your neck long. And I was like, well, what does that mean? I've heard that before. What does that mean? And she said, there should be a curve in your neck right there. And as soon as I changed that, it changed everything of where I was working from all the things I was working on. So I try to give specific cues, even though I can't see people so that even if they are Able to get into the position. If they aren't able to keep some of those key muscles, those key bone structures going, they'll get out of it and then they have permission to do something else.
0: Ah, Yeah. 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 I love it. And it's sort of the approach of, I guess, teaching them to fish. Right. And this is something that I go over when I do any kind of work where I'm training other coaches. It's a tough concept for coaches to get because I think a lot of us have that scarcity mindset of feeling like we need clients to be dependent on us to tell them exactly what to do at all times. Right. But we provide so much more value and get such a better relationship and such a better result for people when we teach them how to make those associations for themselves. So 100%. instead of just saying something like you know, don't well, don't do this, do this instead when it happens. We want to add on to that. Okay. Now, every time you feel this, so if it's, you know, the curve in your neck, like you were just talking about every time you feel this, or you don't feel this, here's how you correct it. So in the future, this is what I want you to think about. And this is what I want you to do about it. So you don't really need me to tell you that. Yep. And I don't know if you've seen any of that. Like, have you seen any coaches or trainers or maybe, you know, various practitioners that, that don't like to take that approach and I mean, I think
1: it comes to, there's a couple of, a couple of So first of all, there's an incredible meth, uh, research done called the scarf model, the scarf method, scarf S-C-A-R-F. And if you just Google that, you'll see, um, it's an acronym for if you, they've done studies on, if you are in the training world, how do you have client retention? You follow the scarf model. And one of those a is autonomy. It is actually really important that our clients are autonomous and, um, I haven't lost a single member because I made them so autonomous. They don't want to work out with me, (laughs) but what they do, what they have pride in, what they're proud of is when they actually did a modification or did a different substitution because they needed on their own without my prompting. That is when they come into the group and they're like, Leslie, you mentioned we should do what else is possible today. I couldn't do this, but I did this instead. And they're like bragging about it. And that's exactly what I want because that dopamine hit of them feeling proud is going to make them show up again tomorrow. That's what we want. Right. And so I think part of that scarcity mindset is there. I, I think a lot of times teachers, pleasant teachers, and then even trainers, they think I need to keep giving them new exercises. Nope. Nope. They actually don't remember the ones you gave them before. <laughs> I don't. And I yep. am a teacher. Right. And I don't remember, I go to my a, a trainer's class and like, I might remember something from the last workout, but chances are, unless I'm sore, I'm not remembering that we did pushups again. Like, uh, you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, and people need to actually feel successful at things so that they want to come back. If they constantly feel like they're always like, they're never, they're never hitting the, the peak of the mountain. It's like, come on, you know, it feels like a hamster wheel. So I think that there's, co- it takes confidence as a teacher or a trainer to trust the process and allow them to be in that process and allow them to kind of figure out, it's like, okay, what's next? Like, that's a great question to ask. Okay. what what's next? You know, yeah. what's next. And so um, that I'm not going to say I was born that way. I definitely had to learn that the um, in, in different ways. And also I think as a trainer, if you're listening, you will notice if you need to be teaching that way, because you are going to get burnt out. If they're constantly needing you all the time, you're gonna be like, what the heck? Like, can't you just do this on your own?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, exactly. Exactly. And You know, something, something that's super, super crucial that you just said as well is something that I see a lot, especially with newer trainers. And maybe there's something that ties into it. That's kind of an insecurity thing, not feeling like they can provide that level to coaching or whatever it is. But I see a couple of things first that people feel like, yes, they need to drastically change programs all the time. And I think that's a vicious cycle because it also conditions, um, it conditions the clients to get used to that. And then when you try to do the same thing more than once, they freak out yeah. and that's not good. But there's also you know, the, the fact that I, I don't think people realize how many different ways there are to do one thing. So when I build a client for someone or when I'm training another trainer to build programs, when you work off of a template, make the smallest unit possible of change that you can to that thing. And it's going to open up someone's world. And you'll also get enough repetition of the fundamental movement patterns and all of that happy stuff. That's like, okay, this is good. And the person's still challenged, but you literally, you can change one thing. I mean, if you just, just for example, if you have a goblet squat in a workout, have them do it with a single arm, like single arm front rack squat. Like it's a completely different experience. Yep. Same movement, but, um. and so how, how do you do things like that within the the Pilates world? Can you think of something that resonates with you
1: there? It's really funny. Cause I have, um, you know, I, I, one of my coaches is a, is a trainer and she said, well, you know, what kind of programming are you doing this month? That's different than last month. And I said, well, I'll be really honest. I, I teach to an order, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I omit things. Um, so how I change, so to me, I really do want if your internet fails on you, <laughs> Um, or you are out out enjoying Fiji and there's like no Wi-Fi, I yeah. want you to still be able to go, okay, what's oh, there's this that was next. There's this, and maybe you forget some of the exercise, but you could still hit your mat. And so, yes, I pretty much always start with one of the same few exercises in the beginning. We pretty much end with the push-ups or something of a standing archival thing at the end. I change the theme. So I change what we focus on. Mm-hmm. And because I also teach in 30 minute blocks. There's not always a lot of time for everything. If I was doing it by myself, I could do it in 30 minutes, but because I want to give time for people to follow along with me, we do omit things, but I, I keep a theme. So for example, this week, it's all about the exhale. So we're actually focusing more on how we're actually exhaling the air out, not holding our breath. Does the exhale help us in this exercise? Does the, like, how can we use this exhale to twist more, right? How can we use it to help us extend more? How can we use it to flex more? Like just focus on the exhale. And for me, I find that allows the allows my members, allows my clients to not get so caught up in like, what is my big toe doing? What are my fingers doing? They get rid of being perfect. And they're focusing on that theme. Meanwhile, we're still practicing the exercise they learned last week, where we're focusing on maybe what I call the fast, which is where your thigh meets your booty. And, you know, so, so, um so that's how I approach it. I keep for the most part, the format the same, but I change what the emphasis is and I make them do the same one all week long. And the reason is that I actually really want people to have celebration. We've talked about the power of celebrating the power of wins and I want them to compare themselves to themselves. If they're, if I change the workout every day, they're not actually going to see that they've improved. And if they're someone like me, I, I'm sure we all attract people who we are. I'm a recovering overachiever, recovering perfectionist. And so it's really easy to be like, okay, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? And it's like, no, don't worry about if you're doing it right. The fact that you're doing it is key and that you're doing something is even better. And then, you know, over time, like I have their whole lifetime to get them to do a good roll up. So that's kind of how I approach that. It's just like focus on a new theme, same exercises, and then allow them to compare themselves to themselves. And it's really cool.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how shifting your focus mentally, like just kind of putting the spotlight on something slightly different than what you normally put it on. So whether it's breathing, um, I like to use tempo a lot, like doing yeah. the same movement with a different tempo, Things like that, that completely change kind of the quality in someone's experience of a movement. So like Leslie said, if you guys are, you know, w- going to be without internet for a while and you're afraid of like repeating the same things over and over again, if you're doing that work, change the tempo, change the focus on your breathing, you know, things like that, like little things that you can do, even range of motion changes and things like that they, they make a world of difference. Yeah. Go for time versus like, you know, or the,
1: the County of the reps, I think it's I think, um, I I don't know where it started. I don't know that it's like any one person's fault, but I think we think we have to do more is better and really like less is more always, you know, so you don't have to know every single weight, like weight exercise there could be, you can know just the really strong ones and then change up the tempo, like you said, or the weights or something.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Super important guys. I love that. Now just kind of a a question, which is probably going to make me sound a little bit like just ignorant to the world of Pilates, but I haven't spent much time in it for, for me, a lot of my experience in the fitness industry has been built around spaces that are very non-female dominated. (laughs) I'll say it that way. Um, you know, martial arts, CrossFit, um, just kind of all, all of the, all of the fitness disciplines that I've happened to be involved in kind of the functional training world and the team training worlds, very male dominated. It looks from the outside like Pilates is the opposite of that. Is that true? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it is. And it's not right.
1: Like okay. think optics wise, it's definitely teacher wise, definitely more female base as far as instructors go. Um, as f- if you're Googling Pilates pictures, you're just going to see a lot of skinny ladies. Um, the truth is, is that um, because athletes, professional athletes have really been doing Pilates for the last 20 years, Most of it secretively now more publicly, like a lot of professional teams have like a room of reformers and they have a teacher who comes in because it's such a great, uh, cross-training to what they're doing to prevent injury and to improve core strength. Um, and so I actually think, I still think the majority is women. And I, as, as far as teachers go, you're going to see more women, but more and more the pendulum is swinging so that it's, it's becoming a norm for men to do Pilates. Um, and also Pilates is something that like all bodies can do because it is body weight. So you are mostly moving yourself around. And then if you are using equipment that really does, there's so many different ranges for us to take an exercise to, to meet you at where you are today and take you to where you want to go. So um, so that I think, is really key for people to understand. It's like, even though, unfortunately, the pictures and magazines make it look like it's for a particular type of female body, it is for all bodies, all sizes and all, all kinds. So I, I think that that's, um, hopefully we'll start to see more men and more pictures of all bodies doing Pilates.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I know that's, I mean, that's, that's really it's it's interesting. I can't even imagine, you know. I mean, when I I work for a pretty large fitness company right now and it's when I go into the trainers meetings, I manage all the coaches and it's me and 90% male coaches, right? And so to think about maybe a, a fitness world where there's like a different reality is pretty cool. And do you feel like I mean, just kind of being in the fitness industry in general or just with your experience in Pilates, you've experienced any like struggles or, or anything, just being a woman in the space, or has it all been pretty, pretty good for you?
1: You know, I, I think that what, when I was in the fitness, when I was actually at a gym, I used to teach Pilates at a fitness club. Um, I actually felt less that it was because I was a woman and more that there's just a misconception around what Polize is. And so there was almost like Polize is less than your training program. And it's like, actually, it's pretty equal to, and it's a really great thing if you put them together. And so I felt like there was a little bit, to me, I felt more uh, competitiveness between those two. And I really strive. So I do weight training. I show that I do that so that people can see that. Like, I'm not all polies all the time. (laughs) You know, I got a Peloton, I do yoga, I do weight training. And I think that like, the more we can see that, like, there's not one modality that is going to encompass all the things our bodies need to do. And we might lean into some things more than others. Um, So, and then I think, you know, even though I'm in a female dominated industry, I think there's a lot of pressure up until recently on like what our bodies have to look like as a trainer, um, a lot of pressure on ourselves and, you know, um, now I'm like, nope I have a role when I do a roll up and I'm going to let you see that. And that's because I'm, you know, that's a human body and that's okay. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. But I felt like back in the early uh, part of my teaching that was a not such a welcomed thing, and now more and more clients, trainers, they're expecting to see a real body doing the movement. And so, um, so I feel like as our world is changing, our worldview is changing of what a healthy body looks like. Um, that's making it easier to be a female in the space too.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I I had a guest on earlier this week who was kind of part of the the body positivity movement. We had a really good conversation. I just wasn't. I wasn't super familiar with it. And I think it's it's really making great strides as far as just kind of moving us away from feeling like as women, we have to be smaller, whether okay. it's physically or as leaders in the space or whatever it is. And, you know, I hope that we make good progress toward that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I agree. And I'm, I'm so impressed and empowered by that group of people. And, um, I'm really honored. A lot of, most of my members are bodies of all sizes and I see them do my, my workouts and I learn things from them on how exercises can be modified and changed. And so they teach me as much as I teach them. And that's also really fun. I feel grateful that they feel safe in my environment and also that I get to see how they move and I can make those changes as I teach the exercises too. I
0: love it. I love it. Yeah, there really is. There really is space for, for everyone in, in the field. And there's also a unique value that we all bring as well. And, you know, I, I just, I'm excited to see how that evolves too. Like it's yeah. such a, it can be such an insulated kind of world, like the fitness and wellness industry. And I think the internet is helping with that. But Oh
1: yeah. I think, I mean, some of the silver linings that came out of the pandemic are just that more people got moving online, you know? And so if there was a barrier to entry to maybe they didn't feel comfortable going into a gym, maybe they didn't, uh, they didn't have one close by. Maybe they didn't have the time. Like we've really brought, um, a lot of obstacles and barriers down so that more bodies can move. And I, I think that, um, as, as far as instructors go, the more we believe in abundance and there's enough, there's enough people. And like, people can train with Mariah as much as they train with me, as much as they train with my friend. Like it's all thing, you know, it's good. It's good for everyone.
0: Absolutely. And speaking of, I understand that you have kind of a, a free class that's available, which I'd love to do. Can you talk to us a little bit about where people can find that?
1: Yeah. So, um, on my site, we have hundreds of free tutorials. So if you want to do Pilates anywhere and you know, not necessarily with me, there's hundreds of free tutorials for you. It's on onlinepilatesclasses.com. but I want to give everyone access to a free 30 minute workout at onlinepilatesclassescom slash free. And here's a little secret. What will happen is they'll prompt you if you want to sign up for a month off and get my intro series for like 80% off. So watch out for that thank you page because you'll get my intro to Pilates workouts and access to my community for a whole month. So if you want more than just a free 30 minute class, just pay attention to that thank you page.
0: I love it. And I'm actually going to try it myself. And guys, if you're looking to improve your core strength, if you're looking to just make your body stronger in general, and kind of feel like you can move better and be more confident, this is a a really good way to just try it out and see if Pilates may be a good good option for you and with someone that's really a leader in the space. So we will make sure that we link all of that up in the show notes as well. Thank you. And where can people find you on social media?
1: Yeah, I live I live on Instagram. That's my favorite place. Um, so you can find me at Leslie L E S L E Y dot Logan L-O-G-A-N. Um, please if you got something out of this, DM me, let me know what it is. If you have questions about Pilates, if it's for you, happy to chat about it. I I again, my mission has always been more bodies doing Pilates, whether that is with me on my platform or just helping you find a teacher where you live. Um, that's um very important to me.
0: it. Love it. And we will link all of that up in the show notes as well, guys. All right, girls. So with the last couple minutes we have here, I have some rapid fire questions that I like to ask everybody. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. So the first one is what do you feel is currently the biggest lie or common misconception in your industry and field?
1: Um, We covered a little bit, but Pilates is not just for women. It's also not an ab workout. It is a full body workout. (laughs)
0: Old body guides for every, everybody. Yes, absolutely. What was the best advice you ever received regarding fitness and wellness? Oh,
1: less is more. <laughs>
0: I think Joseph Pilates thing is always about
1: quality over quantity and just keeping that in my mind and every workout I do quality over quantity. It's okay. If you do a 10 minute, awesome run versus a 30 minute, you know, version, that's a little bit, you're just pushing yourself further than you can go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Something is better than nothing guys. And yeah, I totally agree. It doesn't have to be an hour. It's okay. If you don't have an hour. Yeah. Um, yep. I totally agree with that. What is something that you used to preach to your trainers, trainees, whatever it is, uh, that, uh, you no longer advocate for? I was really thinking about this. Honestly, I was always
1: so afraid of having the wrong information. I was pretty not good at preaching things, but I think, I used to think you had to do hour long workouts. And I think it just goes back to, um, the more, the, just in the last few years, I'm like, nope, no, 30, 20 minutes is great. And that's okay. And so I have been less preaching that you have to do these full hour workouts or that you have to do five workouts a week. It's like, no, do what you can and keep moving. Cause I feel like you'll just keep showing up more.
0: Absolutely. Yes. I love that. Finally, what is your favorite quote and why?
1: Mm. So my friend, Joanna Vargas is the one who taught me, um, what else is possible right now. And, um, I'm going to make her a household name on that quote, because it is when you are in the bottom of the barrel, <laughs> you're feeling super stuck. You feel like you can't do it. If you can just remember what else is possible right now, that is going to get to open a loop in your brain. It's going to make you think whether it's your workout or your life. So.
0: Absolutely. Something that I refer to as your movement menu. What's your movement menu today? You know, what are your options? There's always something you can do. Well, Leslie, this was, this was awesome. Thank you so much. And guys, if you got value from this episode today, leave a review, subscribe, and then tag Leslie and I on social media and let us know what your main takeaway from today was. And uh, Leslie, thank you so much. I hope I can have you back on sometime. I hope to be back. Thank you so much worse. All right, listeners, have a pain-free day, guys. Thank you so much for listening today. I'd really appreciate it if you could like, subscribe, and leave a review on the podcast so that more people can hear us in the future. Have a pain-free day.